Hi everyone, this is Nicole. And this is Sneha. And, and this, this is Maybe MD. Today we are joined here by a pre-medical advisor from Meredith College. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Karthika Gorham. I teach in the biology department at Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm also the pre-health advisor uh, for the college. And I'm really happy to be here to share my thoughts on how to prepare yourself for a career in healthcare. We are also joined here by a student going into medical school this upcoming fall. Um, so before we get into Dr. Gorm's advice, we wanted to ask you, how difficult would you say undergraduate college is when you're on the pre-medical path? And did you ever think about going off that path and pursuing something different because of the difficulty level? My experience in undergrad was definitely a learning curve, to say the least. I would say that my first year was pretty difficult for me, but you know, I ended up finishing all my classes, doing fairly well in them, and learning a lot of crucial study skills in the process. Um, I don't know that I ever necessarily thought about dropping out of pre-med, but I definitely did think about whether it was the right choice for me or if there were other fields within healthcare or even outside of it that would be better suited to me. Um, so I spent some time. I almost all of my internships during college had nothing to do with medicine directly. I did an internship at the CDC that was definitely more research focused. Um, I spent a summer actually doing computational biology research and I spent um, my final summer doing um, healthcare operations at a health insurance company. I mean, there's all sort of still healthcare related, but I definitely um, wanted to explore and think about whether, you know, this was the right choice for me. And I think because I explored all these other fields, in addition to, you know, doing clinical volunteering and shadowing and all these other stuff, um, I think I was really able to confirm that medicine is really what I want to do. And that made studying and all these other, you know, challenges throughout undergrad a lot more rewarding. And it, kept, it made it a lot easier for me to keep focused and keep myself motivated knowing that this is what I wanted to do. Thank you so much for joining us today. And now we are going to go back to Dr. Gorham. And for our first question, we just want to ask, what is your advice for pre-medical students? Right, so this uh, advice changes from year to year and uh, for where a student is in their journey. Um, but I would like to give three pieces of advice for students who are just starting off. So for first year students who are just entering college and are thinking about a career in medicine. Um, and then I'll follow that up with uh, some advice for students who have already been in college for a couple of years um, and um, how they should be thinking about their journey at that point in time. So for first year students, so in your first semester in college or maybe even before that, if it's possible, um, seek out the pre-med advisor in your college and schedule a meeting with them. I think this is really important to do early on because they are the experts. They have been trained by the uh, National Association of Health Professions Advisors on how to advise um, pre-medical students and meet with them and build an outline of a four-year plan so that you have a roadmap of where you're going with your coursework, with what you need to be doing in other aspects of your preparation for the next three years or, or uh, so um, as, as a college student. The second piece of advice is as soon as possible 
uh, find who the uh, contact is for the pre-med club. Pretty much every college out there will have a pre-med club that is run by students and uh, seek them out and um, get to know them and make sure you have conversations with these students because they have already walked your uh, path and they can give you good advice. Uh, third, um, as far as coursework goes, uh, if you can uh, tell your um, advisor at the uh, orientation or whenever it is that you're registering for classes that you would need to take um, a first semester biology class and um, also, um, as if, if possible, uh, get the general chemistry classes. You have to take two levels of general chemistry. Get those out of your way uh, in the first uh, two years. Um, as far as other aspects of your preparation go in your first semester and um, even overall in your first year, you'll have plenty of time to work on the um, other things that you need to do for your preparation. It's really important that you focus on your academics your first year that you're in college and uh, make sure you're getting off to a good academic start. And more than anything else, that'll give you a great deal of confidence that is really important for the rest of the time you're there and then uh, you know Know that you should be able to um, tackle everything else that goes with pre-medical preparation. So that's for our first year students. So once you've been in college for a year and then you're moving forward with the pre-medical track, um, it is important to remember to focus on being a well-rounded student and with your advisor's help or the connections that you might build through the pre pre-med club, you can find volunteering, shadowing, leadership opportunities. Make sure you pick things that you like like doing, that you enjoy doing, that you're passionate about. Because otherwise, if you're just doing something to check a box off, it might come back to bite you in the back. Like when you're interviewing for uh, medical school and they ask you a question uh, to go more in depth into why you did something. If you just did something for the sake of doing it, it may not come across as being sincere. So make sure you pick things that you're, you're passionate about and your uh, pre-med advisor at your college should be able to give you some pointers on how to choose opportunities uh, that will prepare you well. Second, during the summers as early as possible, maybe the summer between your first year and your sophomore year, take um, a CNA or EMT course so you can find a part-time job uh, during the school year to enhance your clinical skills. A lot of medical schools uh, value active experiences more so than passive experiences like shadowing. So if you're able to do active uh, or participate in active experiences like find a job as a, a part-time job as a CNA or an EMT during the school year, which puts you in the trenches of healthcare, that would be highly beneficial. Third, Get to know your professors really well. Uh, and the best way to do this is to participate genuinely in class. What that means is to prepare um, uh, for uh, class before you go to class, ask questions to learn the material in depth, and most importantly, help others around you uh, to learn the material as well. Be as collaborative as possible. And although, uh, you know, there is no denying that this is a competition, it's important to be collaborative and helpful. And these are um, qualities that will be required for, from you as a healthcare provider and will be noticed by your professors. And finally, balance, balance, balance. Take a mix of science and other courses throughout the time you're in college and get experience in the clinic, experience in service, 
and also make sure that you take care of yourself. So those are uh, sort of some general pieces of advice that I can give for first year students and then for students who've already been in college. What are some common mistakes you see your students make? All right, so um, I thought about this carefully and we all, as we go through our college years, will um, you know, stumble, make a few mistakes and it's part of my job to make sure that um, I advise students to avoid these mistakes. So I picked three that I think uh, I've seen very frequently um, from um, students who are uh, walking this path, to, a path towards uh, a career in healthcare. First of all, uh, Avoid getting advice from random internet sources that you're not sure are giving you good advice. Um, or from a single person who might only know what got them into medical school and their advice may not specifically fit uh, what you should be doing because there is not a one-size-fits-all approach. So I think this comes back to meeting with your pre-med advisor at your college because they have seen hundreds of students go through this process and they should be able to give you the best advice possible. Second, uh, students tend to not focus on the present, but stress out about things that are far into the future. So when you're a first year student, don't worry about the MCAT, which you wouldn't be taking for two and a half, three years after you've been in college. So don't worry about it. It's time will come when you can worry about it, but um, uh, you have to make sure that you're focusing on what's in front of you at that point in time. Third, taking on too much. Uh, we tend to feel like we have to do everything at all times. Uh, but uh, once again, you must remember to keep things balanced and you cannot have a, a 40 hour a week job and volunteer and shadow and take all the science courses you need to take. So spread things out and make sure that uh, you do a little bit of everything at all times. So those are sort of some of the mistakes that we must avoid. Okay, and what are some common misconceptions that you see around the pre-medical path and in general? All right, some misconceptions. Okay, so um, I can think of say four misconceptions that very frequently um, I encounter during my advising. One is that you have to major in biology or chemistry to get into medical school. That is a very common misconception. Now, it is a fact that most students who are in medical school were biology or chemistry majors, but you don't have to be a biology or chemistry major. Um, the reason a lot of students tend to be bio or chem majors is because a lot of the prerequisite courses align with the major as well as with pre-medical prep. But you may be interested in psychology, you may be interested in public health or nutrition, or in some rare cases, we've had students who are math majors or even English or music majors um, uh, work their way towards medical school. So pick a major that you like, you're passionate about, you enjoy, but make sure that you get good advice on how to balance that major with the pre-medical requirements. The second misconception is sort of in two parts. Uh, one on each end of the spectrum. Uh, on one end of the spectrum is that we have students who feel like they have to have 
uh, a 4.0 GPA to get into medical school and anything less than that and they're out, that is a misconception. That is not true. Um, you have to have a good uh, GPA. So if you have a 3.4, 3.5 or, uh, or higher in college and also balance that with other um, experiences, that is the best way to get in. The same thing for the MCAT. You don't have to be in the 99th percentile of the MCAT um, to be able to successfully get into medical school. On the other side, some students feel like as long as you have a great set of experiences, your MCAT and GPA don't matter. That is not true either. There are some uh, uh, sort of floors, if you will, benchmarks for the MCAT and GPA and for experiences. So you have to you have to have a well-rounded application because medical schools do holistic review. So GPA and MCAT don't have to be perfect. They have to be good. Experiences don't have to be perfect. They have to be good. So a little bit of everything is really what schools are looking for. Um, third, um, a lot of students feel like they have to have done undergraduate research and had publications to get into medical school. This is not true at all. If you're interested in research and you feel like uh, you would enjoy it, then go in and do it. Don't just do it for the sake of getting into medical school. Uh, every applicant is different. Some students have research, some students don't. Some students have EMT experience, others don't. So uh, there is not a, um, a, a single path that works for everybody and you focus on what you enjoy doing and, and make the best of that. Uh, finally, um, you know, when you are in college, you're 18, 20, 22 years old, you feel like everything has to be done today or tomorrow, and you feel like you have to start medical school right after you graduate. That is not necessarily the case. The average age of entry into medical school is 25. Uh, oftentimes, it is um, maybe a, a good idea to, to take a gap year or two uh, to get more experiences, focus on your academics while you're in college, and um, work on your experiences after you graduate from college so when you go into medical school you are much better prepared so um those are some of the the misconceptions and um i can't think of any more at this point what are the different parts of the medical school application such as gpa essays and letters of recommendation all right, so uh, when you fill out the application for medical school, it's kind of like the common app that you filled out um, before you got into college. So it's called the AMCAS application for MD schools, and it's called the AA COMAS application for osteopathic or DO medical schools, and they're you know quite similar. So some of the major parts are you enter your uh, biographical information, your address, and uh, all of that, and then uh, you have to course by course enter every course you took while you were in college and the grades you made and then you have to get your uh, your college uh, and every college you attended uh, to send official transcripts to AMCAS uh, so there's uh, so that's how they calculate your your GPA and then when you take your MCAT you can uh, check boxes for which schools you want to receive your MCAT score so that'll go in automatically once your MCAT uh, scores are available um, and then there's going to be a 
part where you write a personal statement and this is not geared towards any specific uh, medical school at this point. So you will just write a general statement on why you want to be a physician and why you think uh, or, or what qualities you bring uh, to uh, the, the profession. And this is where you tell your personal story and, uh, and about your passions and how they have prepared you to be a, um, a physician and why you think you want to do this. And then uh, another important part is the letters of evaluation. Um, so for medical schools, they call it a letter of evaluation rather than recommendation. So uh, your uh, uh, letter writers are going to be evaluating you uh, in comparison to the other students that they have taught or other people uh, with whom they've worked and so on. So it you would do well to get two letters of evaluation from uh, your uh, professors who taught you science courses, and then two or three more letters from, say, uh, a doctor that you shadowed, or a supervisor at your EMT job, or a supervisor at the um, uh, food bank where you volunteered. Uh, so folks that can speak to different parts of, of uh, who you are as an applicant. So that's a really important part of your uh, application as well. Um, so in, and then finally, you enter information about, uh, say, 15 work activities. So things um, from anything from paid employment, clinical, non-clinical, leadership opportunities uh, that you've participated in, um, other volunteering um, opportunities. Um, and uh, you put all of that and, and the maximum number is 15. So if you have, you know, between 12 and 15, you're doing well on that. So that's another section uh, that you'll have to spend some time thinking about and writing up. Um, so obviously letters of evaluation are very important. So how would you say, go, how do you go about advising students on how to get them? And like you were saying, like a supervisor at a food bank or something like that, maybe they don't have so much experience like writing letters so like how would you help them to write a good letter for you all right that's that's a great question so the most important part of that is to make sure that you ask someone to write a letter that knows you really well so if you went to the food bank uh you know twice over the course of six months and never again after that the supervisor there is not a good person to write a letter to participate in experiences uh, for a while work um, at at a clinic for a while or when you volunteer do that for six months a year so that the folks there get to know you really well and they can speak to your abilities so once you're comfortable with um, someone that you've worked with uh, and you know that they can speak to certain aspects of your preparation, you can tell them what aspects of your preparation you want them to speak to. So for example, if you volunteered at a hospital for, for six months to a year, you can ask the, uh, the person who supervised you to, to write about how you interacted with patients, how proactive you were, and how you were able to identify and anticipate tasks and get them done um, on time, how you followed instructions, things like that. As far as your academic evaluators go, 
um, try to take classes with uh, a single professor, you know, multiple classes with them so they get to know you really well. And like I said before, participate in class and uh, be collaborative with the other students in class and make sure that you make a positive impact in the classroom that your professors will notice. So if you took a class with a professor uh, for one semester, your freshman year and never saw them ever again, they're probably not a good person to write a letter of evaluation for you. But someone who taught you a, a rigorous science course uh, somewhat recently, uh, and, and you can talk to them about what their class meant to you and how it helped you become a better candidate and ask them to focus on some of the things that you think uh, you did well in that in that particular class. So um, speaking of misconceptions, sometimes students think that you get letters only from in, from classes that you made, uh, you know, an, an A in. That doesn't have to be the case. There may be a really hard class you took and you made a B, uh, but you worked hard and uh, you you were uh, compassionate, you were helpful, and you, you were collaborative, and uh, your professor can speak to those attributes um, as well. So just make sure you get them from from folks that know you well and can speak to your abilities in a in a genuine manner. How would you say different parts of the medical school applications are weighted? So um, that's a really hard question to answer because there is no quantitative way to measure that. So um, medical schools do what is called a holistic application review. So they consider all parts of your application and find candidates who are the best fit for their school. So having, of course, there are some floors or minimum requirements that you should have. Uh, so for example, uh, on the MCAT, if you have a really, really, really low MCAT score, that is not really going to um, get you an interview. But if you have a solid MCAT score, it doesn't have to be the absolute best MCAT score. But if you have a solid MCAT score, and you have a good GPA, and you have a bunch of experiences, volunteering, shadowing, working uh, in the clinical environment, um, and uh, and so on, they will consider all of that and look at the whole candidate. Uh, your personal statement is also really important, so uh, make sure that you spend a good bit of time uh, crafting that personal statement. Now, a good personal statement is normal, uh, but if your personal statement is not good, then then that can uh, get your application uh, away from that um, list of students who they want to interview. Finally, your letters of evaluation are really important and they're weighed as much as the metrics that is, uh, it is of equal importance to your MCAT and your GPA. So if a student has a 4.0 GPA and 99th percentile on their on their MCAT, but on a letter of evaluation, it comes out that they're not a team player and they um, are, uh, have uh, very little interest in learning material in depth and so on, uh, that could work against them as they try to get into medical school. So you have to be good at everything that you do, but you don't have to be the absolute best at any one or two things. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to everyone listening at home. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we will be discussing the process of going through medical school.